Um, I'm excited about, uh, you know, our, our theme and, and our emphasis here over the course of the next number of weeks. And we've been talking about this, if you want to bring that up, on, uh, to simplify, all right? And uh, uh, it's important that we would simplify our lives in a complicated world. People are feeling exhausted, overwhelmed, overscheduled, and all kinds of things are going on. Sometimes the very things that God's meant to be simple we complicate. How many of you know that we complicate a lot of things in life, all right? Come on, raise your hand if you make things a little bit more complicated than they need to be. <laughs> you know, at some point in, in time, you've done this, all right? And, and we just need to simplify some things. And, and uh, we, we try to give you or equip you with a, a devotional, okay, that will um, help you in this process. And so it's called Declutter. Declutter now, 30-day devotional, and we're one week into it, and, and some of you began right on Sunday, so that would mean that day eight would be today, if you want to catch up and be reading the same thing, praying about the same thoughts and all that type of stuff. If you didn't do the other ones, just go ahead and go right to day eight and start today, all right, with that, and, and you can go into your computers and look up Life Church TV or version, or go on your smartphones, and uh, won't work on a dumb phone, okay? <laughs> but you can go on a smartphone and, uh, l you know, download that app, and it would be... Uh, I think a huge benefit to you. So um, we talked this, we found this little quote from Hans Hoffman, and he says this, the ability to simplify means to eliminate the unnecessary so the necessary may speak. There are some unnecessary things in our lives that we fill up our lives with that makes it so that the voice of the Lord can't be heard. So that you can't hear, so that you can't operate, so that you can't function in the very simple things that he wants us to do. And, and I, I was thinking about this, you know, th th this process. And one of the things that we really overcomplicate, that must be me. I'm, I'm doing something funky here. Let me try to stop that. I hear that. Anyone else hear that clicking? Okay, I'm sh we'll, we'll try to get it right. If not, I'll grab a handheld held here in a minute. But communication. Sometimes becomes complicated. Anybody ever struggle with communication? Yeah, it's one of the key areas. One of the key areas that, that become problematic in relationships and husbands and wives is that there's a breakdown in communication. And it, it's so important that we would get this right. There was a woman who went to court and she told the judge that she wanted a divorce. And the judge said this. He says, do you have any grounds? She said, just two acres. That's not it, lady. I mean, do you have a grudge? She says, no, we parked the car in front of the house. Frustrated, the judge continued, does your husband beat you up? She replied, no, I get up before he does. <laughs> then why do you want a divorce, the judge asked, because she confessed, we just don't seem to be able to communicate. I'm going to change mics here, all right? Go ahead and go to this one. That's bothering me. There we go. We just can't seem to communicate. Communication is the important, and yet it's, it's so important, but yet it's one of the most difficult things to actually happen consistently in a right manner and way on a regular basis. So many people miss out on how to communicate, both on a horizontal level and also on a vertical level. Now, there's some of us who've, who've went out, we ventured out, we've actually ventured out in faith, which I believe that God rewards, by the way. When you've thought that you've heard the voice of God moving in a certain direction and leading you in something in a certain direction. How many of you ventured out in faith and, and found out that that wasn't really God that was leading in that direction? Come on, will you be bold enough to say, I missed it? 
Yeah, exactly. Your ears weren't on, right? They weren't tuned in to the right frequency. And before you knew it, you were headed in a direction that was in a different direction than where the Lord wanted you to go. Well, I want to speak to you here today about this very important area of communication because simply our communication with God is a whole lot more simple than what we make it out to be. I mean, the disciples, we find, actually asked Jesus at one certain point in time, how do we pray? And Jesus, I mean, he, he gave them some, some pretty important uh, aspects when it comes to praying. Praying, Actually, he gave them something that is referred to as the 21-second prayer. Anybody know what that is? Anyone know what it's called? The Lord's Prayer. Or if you're from Catholic backgrounds, you'd say what? Anyone know from Catholic backgrounds? Say the Our Father, right? That's what I'm told. I'm not from a Catholic background, but I, but I looked up and that's 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 what it's called. And if, if we were together, all of the theologians throughout all of history and put them together and say, can you give us a pray to, a prayer to pray? I'm sure that our prayer that they would be giving to us would not be as simple or simplified as what Jesus gave us here. I mean, they would come up with all kinds of things that would make your prayers more effective, right? They would deal with the important, most important matters in the world, right? They would, they would think about everything, and they would try to make it very complicated and sounding very profound. Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus broke it down, and he says, listen, this is how you do it. Now, I, I, I'm excited that, that we can get to this point and we can say, Lord, show me something simple. And that in just a moment's notice, the Lord can reveal something that's been withheld from you very quickly when you just wait on him. Lord, teach us to pray. There are four keys to successful communication. All right. Let's take a look at those these things right now. All right. Four keys to successful communication. The right message to the right party in the right way at the right time is there any common denominator in those four things <laughs> exactly it's supposed to be right it's supposed to be right but the right message the right party the right way the right time and if you have all of those things in line you're going to be much more effective and successful in your communication but just missing one of those things having the wrong message to the right party in the right way and at the right time guess what it's going to break down, is it not? But Jesus, knowing this, knowing how important it was, he says, I'm just going to give you some simple processes. If we miss one of those things, though, everything can go bad real quick. Say real quick. Real quick. It can get, it can get, I mean, I could have the right message. I could have the right party. I could have the, even say it in the right way. But if I say it at the wrong time, how many of you had some of those conversations with your loved ones? Your spouse is like, I'm right. I know I'm right in this. I know my heart is right. I'm saying that I got the right message. I got the right, the right party. I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm going to say it in the right way. I'm going to say it was so kind. But guess what? If they're not listening or they're not ready to listen, then you just shut down communication, right? There was um, a married couple who was having some communication uh, issues. And um, they didn't even realize it, but uh, it's kind of a, a humorous story. So they were unique in, in the sense that they sa shared the same birthday, all right? 
And they got married. Another unique thing about them is they got married on their 23rd birthday. So on their 40th anniversary, when they were 63 years old, they went to Tahiti because they're going to just have this second honeymoon on their 40th anniversary. And as they were walking along the Golden Shores, the sandy shoreline, a bottle washed up on the ocean waters. The wife picked it up and opened it, pulling out the cork, and out pops a genie. All right, now you know this is not legit, but here, here, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> a genie tells them what they know about already their special time. You've been married for 40 years. All these things have been happening right in your life. And you know what? You can ask me for anything, and I will grant your wish. The wife knew exactly what she wanted right away. She says, I want a new diamond ring that's bigger than Elizabeth Taylor's. And the genie said, your wish is my command. And poof, there it was. This beautiful diamond ring was upon her finger. And it was larger than anything that she'd ever seen or even read about. It was gleaming in the sunshine. Now the husband started to get a little excited. A little babe, maybe skeptical at first, but then he says this. He says, you know what? I think this might work. And he says, and she says, all right, what is your wish? And he says, I want a wife that is 30 years younger than me. Poof. There it was. And he was now 93. <laughs> now, that's either justice, right? <laughs> <laughs> or that's just a serious miscommunication problem. But anyway, you know, there could have been all kinds of ways in which Jesus could have spoke about some of the complications that we make up with regarding to prayer. You will talk to some people, and, and I, I want to be careful because I don't want people who, who teach about prayer to, to feel belittled and such. And I'm not saying that this is the only way to prayer, but I'm saying I wonder when Jesus says, and, he, and the disciples ask, teach us how to pray, and, and he says, pray this way. Say this prayer. Pray this way if he was really meaning to pray this way. What do you think? You think he was really meaning to pray this way? You, you don't think he was just saying it because it just sounded good? You, you don't think he was really not brushed up and, and, and he, he wasn't prepared to talk about the, the, uh, the, the forces of darkness that were out there and, and the spiritual authority and in the certain regions and the areas and such? And, and, and you don't think that he was unaware of, of the strongholds and, and of the believer's authority? You think he, he knew about faith? You think he could have said, you know what, I, I, you really need to pray about faith? How about the power of agreement? You think he knew about that? You think he knew about the power of agreement and, and praying in his name? You think he knew about proper positions? Should I kneel? Should I stand up? Should I lay down? Should I move around? Can I, do, you, do you think Jesus knew about those things? Go ahead and give me the audio for the CPU, if you would, please, because we're going to get ready and, and show you this video. The, I, I ran across this, and some of you have probably already seen this. This is old, but, but I really appreciate this. Uh, and it's about positions. It's about some of the things that we come up with that is just a little bit awkward, at least. All right? So go ahead and watch this with me, if you would, please.
does not go to hand in hand. Can you go higher? Yes, you can. You put one hand, go a bunch of different spots. Find your high kick through there. Release the gloves, give the Lord a high five. Flex it out. Gotta wait a minute to watch the window. Watch the window. Were you comfortable there? Go for the big three. Village people, Rocky touchdown. There you go. There's the big three. Well, I'm going to leave that on there for a moment. Hopefully it won't be too distracting to you. But how many of you know that the positions, our physical position, while there are places in the Bible that talks about come kneel before the Lord. Lift up your hands. I'm not trying to make fun of those things. Just trying to say that sometimes when we apply those things in every single situation, well, the reason you didn't hear from God is because you didn't do it this way. I, I, I mean, you know, and, and I've and I've thought about it at times, you know, even even when I'm praying, you know, someone says, you know what? You know, when you pray, you need to have your hands open so that you can receive. If you got your hands up like that and you're closed and you're not really open to it. You know what I'm saying? Do, do you know that that's a little complicated? How about that's a lot of complicated? Y y you know, we get caught up in these things and Jesus Answer the question of the disciples in Luke chapter 11. That's where they ask the question. We're going to re refer much to Matthew chapter 6 here in a moment. But he gives them this, this short, concise, a 21-second prayer, something that can be said in 21 seconds. And, 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 and it's known by Catholics and Protestants. It's known by the, the Protestants who are Methodists and Pentecostals and Holiness and Reformed and Anglican and Presbyterian, Presbyterian and Baptists. All know and have been known to say this prayer. And it starts with our father. And so what we're going to do is we're going to pray this text. All right. Well, I don't I want you to have the attitude and mentality that you are. 
just saying it or you're reading it. I want you to pray this prayer with me, all right? Everybody, let, let, let's, let's just do this together. Let's just think for a moment. All right, I'm not just reading a scripture. I want this to be my prayer. Maybe somebody's already done this this morning. I don't know. Our Father, say it together, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, that's from the King James Version, because that's what probably many people have come to memorize. And there's I another version out there that comes from Tyndale all the way back, I think, to, to uh, 1527 or something like that. And uh, it, it puts in there this instead of this word, forgive us our, our debtors and forgive us our trespasses. That's probably the way that a lot of people maybe even have learned it. All right. But that goes back in in the King James and New King James. I mean, it, it, they don't have that it has these debts and it also talks about sins. But our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. How many of you can sense the importance of those words as far as and what's happening in a form of a prayer? There's another scripture that's very common as far as in Christendom, and that's that's this one that we refer to uh, uh, as Psalm 23. How many of you know this particular passage? Yeah, let's let's pray this together. All right, because it still is a, a proclamation. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Notice a lot of similarities between these two particular prayers. Beyond the fact that there was they're written about a thousand years apart. They were written by. Two people in the same family. David. Jesus of the lineage of David. And from the same town. Of Bethlehem. And a thousand years apart, I want you to see with me some of the similarities. And yet how God uses the similarities and then also how he changes it up so that it can be something that will still have significance today. Before we do that, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have experienced a very dark day in your life before? Why, well, look at the commonness that's there. Really, hold your hands up. Every, you have experienced a dark day, a, a day of desperation, a day of heartache, a day of being overwhelmed, a day of being exhausted. I mean, something. I mean, uh, look at that. Put your hands down now. It happens for every single one of us at one point or another. I mean, sometimes everything can be going right and still somehow emotionally you feel a little bit challenged. You feel a little bit overwhelmed. And exhausted. You know, some people could just get exhausted from things being so good. And you look at somebody and you say, come on, get a life. If you had to walk in my shoes, if you had to go through it, I had to go. But sometimes the enemy is not even a respecter of that. He'll come against the, those that are, have everything going right as well as those that don't have everything going right. And he brings darkness. And, 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 and it's very challenging. And, and the, the apostles knew the time that was coming, something w was happening, and they're, they're, they're learning from the master. 
And they're in the very beginning stages of this, this life. And he says, Lord, teach us to pray. We, we know that you're a person of prayer. And, 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 he, and he talks to them about prayer, okay? But listen, there are some times where sometimes you can have people all around, but you're still lonely. You can have the greatest of days of things that's going on as far as things going right, but you're still fearful and afraid of what might be taken away from you. It's more common than we realize. Many people are forced to work through the dark days without ever getting any answers. And I believe these two prayers give us something that helps us to be able to know how to go on, how to receive counsel. I mean, you know that he is the comforter for us. Amen. The Holy Spirit. He's the, he's the counselor. I mean, and, 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 I, and I love it that the Holy Spirit doesn't just only speak and, 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 and communicate to me in, um, in the, the spirit way, but he communicates through other people. I'm not going to ask everybody to raise their hand who's done this before, but listen, I want to tell you something. Going to a counselor who's filled with the spirit when you need some help is never a bad idea. When you go to somebody who is spirit-filled and uses the Bible and will lead you and, and they are a counselor, guess what? It's an okay thing to do. It's actually very beneficial at times. It's amazing to me how many people have put this down, and, you know, and they made people feel inadequate because if you were spiritually in tune, then you wouldn't need to have the outside input from somebody else. Missing the whole thing altogether that God has chosen to work through his people. Oh, there's wrong people you can you know, be out there talking to. There's wrong places that you can get counsel from. All right. You, you shouldn't be taking counsel from from the world. They can't see things. They can't understand things the way in which we understand them as part of the body of Christ. But I want to let you know something. Satan. All right. There's 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 like four things that I want us to, to get here. All right. And I want us to be able to um, go ahead and and read the we're gonna read the passage and finish it, okay? Because we didn't finish all that. But I want you to understand how the Lord wants to give you counsel and even facilitate it through other people from time to time. All right. So it says this: "Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil." Look at this. What's he say? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I purposely didn't read all of that because, you know, I wanted you to understand. Listen, here's what's happening. When we go through this, this, we get to this particular point where we say, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Sometimes the enemy comes so hard against you, he tries to make you think that there's something wrong with the way you're doing life because, I mean, not everybody else is experiencing this darkness. But here the psalmist says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. The very first thing I want you to get here is Satan is working hard to try to make you feel disconnected. He's trying to 
cause for you to be disconnected. He, he, he will come right into your space and confront you with all of your missteps, all of your stumblings. How many have any of those? Every single one of us, right? The Bible says all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, he says, Let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatever is more than these is from the evil one. When you start to complicate things, he says, the evil one is working hard to try to disconnect you. I mean, you could read the passages that, that are all prior to this particular prayer that, 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 that Jesus gives the disciples to pray. And it, and it comes from, starts with the Beatitudes and, and goes through the, the Sermon on the Mount and starts to deal with some things. How, there's some pretty stiff things that God wa- is dealing with and some instructions that he's given to us. How many of you ever heard this one about, you know, an eye for an, you've heard an eye for an eye and a tooth for tooth, but I tell you not to resist an evil person. And he goes on and says, whoever slaps you in the face, just go ahead and turn the cheek. They're like, <laughs> you say that like it's easy. If someone asks for your, you know, your, your, your cloak, go ahead and, and, and give it to them. They want to take away your tunic. Let them have the cloak also. If someone forces you to go a mile, and I don't have all the historic, the time to go into this historically about, you know, what this means. But he, he just says, if someone forces you to help them. Don't just go one mile, but go two miles. He said this. He said, if someone asks you, they want to borrow something from you, don't turn them away. <laughs> I mean, how many of you know that there's some things you just don't give up? <laughs> there's some people who are disrespectful to your property, who don't cherish how much hard work it took for you to get the things that you have. And, and he says, you, you know, and then he goes on, he says in, in, in verse 48, he says, therefore, you shall be perfect. There you go. You guys can maybe maybe we could check it off, right? I mean, all right. I had an enemy. He came and slapped me. I turned the other cheek. Someone took something from me. And you know what? Rather than what they took, I gave them even more. You know, uh, someone really wanted me to come and help them with something. And, and, and I made room in my schedule and in my time to go the extra mile and even give them more time than what they requested. And someone requested to borrow something from me. And rather than just borrowing, I just gave it to them. You know what? I'm, I'm about perfect by now. Well, we don't usually get that far, do we? We stumble along the way. And the enemy wants to try to make us feel disconnected. And we read scriptures like this. Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your father in heaven is perfect. And and, and it goes on and and he he talks about rewards and he talks about uh, how how God is going to give you rewards for your your correct actions and such. And, 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 And then he says, and oh, by the way, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. Who pray for show. Don't use vain repetition. Don't try to come up with lofty statements. But he says, pray this way. Pray knowing about this. How important is God in your life? Because in every single person's life, the enemy is coming hard to try to disconnect you from your maker. 
Some of us are sitting here today. And the enemy keeps on throwing up in your face. You're not perfect. You never will be. Why don't you just throw in the towel? Why don't you just quit? Those are some of the tactics. You can't live up to that sermon. You can't do those things. Over and over again, you continue to fail. Look around you. Even the pastor's not doing it as good as what, you know, he thinks that he is. He should be able to be doing it. I mean, I mean, who can do it? There's people falling all over the place. Those are the ways in which he tries to disconnect us. But Jesus comes up with a reset. And he says, after understanding you're supposed to do these things, and after you understand how miserably you have failed, get ready, because now I want you to pray this way. I want you to come to an understanding about the Lord's prayer. And it is this. The thing is, the second thing I want is that the Lord is. Say that with me. The Lord is. Say it again. The Lord is. Okay, we understand, first of all, the enemy is trying to disconnect you from God. He's trying to accent and make you feel like a failure. But the key to you praying this prayer is that you realizing, hallowed be his name. And in Psalm 23, he says, the Lord is what? My shepherd. In order to hallow, in order to honor, in order to pay respect to or give tribute to somebody, you have to believe that he is. And in Hebrews eleven six, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone, say anyone. <laughs> it don't matter how good you are or how bad you are, because anyone, it's, it's the same thing. Anyone who comes to him, the, the playing field is the same. It, it, it's a level field for everybody. Nobody has a step up because anyone who comes to him, they have to start at the same place. You must believe that what he is. He exists, he is, and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. You must believe that he is. That's what, that's what he says. Hallowed be thy name. It's so important for you to realize that God's got great things in store for us, but so many people don't recognize that the Lord is. Who he is. We're not just talking about somebody who, who was being suggestive with some ideas that you can do. He's saying, I am sending you my spirit as a counselor. I haven't left you alone. I haven't left you as orphans. I've given you my spirit so you can do things that you otherwise would not be able to do. But you must believe that I am. Let's just make this simple. So many more things would start to happen for people if they would actually believe that the Lord is. He is what? He is my redeemer. He is my healer. He is the soon coming king. He is my problem solver. He is my solution. He is my resource. He is bigger than my bank account. He is everything that I have need of. Amen. My God is in my corner. He is working in my behalf to do what? We need to understand this. What is it that he is come or what he has come to do? And, and it's our third thing here. The heart of the Lord is forgiveness. 
Now, we have been disconnected from God at some point or another. And all of us, by nature of being humanity, have found ourselves alienated from him. And even so much so, the Bible calls us his enemies. But guess what? He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen? He is a rewarder. And, and he says, but I want you to understand, you will never receive the reward until you understand the heart. And the heart is, is that he is the Lord of forgiveness. The heart of the Lord is forgiveness. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting and, and how important it is. And, and when we try as even Pentecostals or Charismatics to pull away from some of the, the traditional mindset because uh, of former religions or former walks of faith, because sometimes some of us come from those particular types of faith that, that just felt very liturgical, very dry. And we were looking for a fresh touch, and we're looking for a fresh way for God to communicate to us. How many of you can identify with that? I mean, you come out of something, and you didn't feel anything in it. And sometimes we're even going into some of the Pentecostal churches, and you're not feeling anything. Now, we shouldn't be living by feelings, all right? But you know what I'm saying as far as sensing the Holy Spirit working and moving and challenging. And, and, and I wonder if it is because we haven't understood the forgiving heart of God. And, and we've taken and we throw out some of the liturgical things that would be very beneficial for us. There's some things that can be practiced. There's some things that we can do over and over again that serve as a reminder. Now, now here in our particular faith, we, we, we receive communion once a month. Usually once a month or so. But in some faiths, they practice it, they receive it daily. I mean, every, I'm not daily. I mean, every time they, they gather together, every time that they at the very beginning. And, and I heard a, a Catholic priest once say this was a, a Catholic priest who actually believed that Jesus, you know, was was the way and no man can come to to the Lord except through Jesus. I mean, I think he was born again Catholic. All right. As, as, as far as how that goes and your theology and such. But the, the fact of the matter is is that this guy got it. He says, you know, the reason that we receive communion Every time we meet and we do it in the beginning of the service is to remind us of the level playing field and of the forgiveness of God. Oh, sure, it feels ritualistic. It feels like a religious type of action. And for those who come in and, and just go through the motions and don't think about it, just like those people who would say this prayer over and over again and not really think about it, it loses its power because we got people who are praying it, not real, uh, realizing how the enemy is trying to disconnect them and not realizing how he is able to do these things that we're talking about. And understanding at the heart of the Lord is forgiveness. This, this, uh, this Catholic person, I, I, I've seen this, this viewpoint of them, and they, they basically said this, listen, the reason that we ask the priest, and it, it's not because I think that I'm all that great that we have to can come and make your confessions to me, but how about the priesthood of the believers? And then James, he says that we should confess our sins one to another. Why is that beneficial for us? To understand the heart of God is to, to forgive us? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, what is it now? Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven or in earth as it is in heaven. Depending on the version that you're reading, forgive us this day, what? Of our debts. 
That, that, I believe that, that that's the heart of it. Think about what would happen if we could get people to forgive each other of their debts, of their trespasses. Tomorrow night, I'm going to try to depict the character of Paul as he moves from what he was so convinced he was doing in the name of God Almighty, a task that he was doing, only to find out that he was the one who was in the way. And, and I love in the AD series, and some of you have watched the show, but in episode number nine, there's this point where the Apostle Paul, and, and in, in, in our scriptures, it's, it, it's so cool because he, he talks about how it, the Apostle Paul tried to come into the the presence of the of the disciples and in verse 26 of chapter 9 of acts you see that they were nervous and didn't know if they really should believe him and how many know that i'd be a little bit nervous of the guy who who just murdered you know responsible for murdering all, all kinds of people right and finally in this outside of biblical type of proportion that we see actually word for word in this but in the series they act this out and show where the Apostle Paul turns the table on Peter. And he says this. He says, he says, all I'm asking is for your forgiveness. Haven't you ever been in a place, Peter, where you need to forgiveness? <laughs> and what could Peter do? But only recall the words of Jesus when he says, yeah, I needed it. You see, the heart of the Lord is for forgiveness. And he wants us to be able to move in his goodness, in his mercy, and be able to extend that mercy to other people. Here's what I want you to understand about the Lord's Prayer, is, is that, that, first of all, we understand the enemy is trying to disconnect us, all right? But we realize that God is. We realize that the heart is forgiveness. I don't have time to, to go line by line in this, but I want uh, this is like a, an overview, but I, it has such powerful application, and it's something that can be done in 21 seconds. You could say that prayer over and over again. You say, well, what, what, what more does it have to do with the 23rd Psalm? You, you see a, a, a Jewish individual who was not a Messianic Jew, but a Jewish individual. There was a conversation that was being had between the uh, um, theologian and his friend, and, and they basically were having this conversation. They were talking about the 23rd Psalm and talking about the Lord's Prayer, and the deduction was made. The Jewish person came up with a deduction. He says, listen, even the Jew can say the Lord's Prayer. And he looked at him and said, well, why? In public, okay? And, and he said, why? He said, well, we don't say Psalm 23 in public because guess what? It's so personal. And he said, well, that's Old Testament. Why would you not be able to say that? Because he said, it's difficult for us to receive this personal relationship. The Lord is my shepherd. And to acknowledge Jesus, who you say is. And it becomes difficult for us to be able to move from one point to. But you know what? We could say and recognize about God. Our father who art in heaven. How, we, we can do that. You see. Psalm 23 is never used in the public Jewish service because it makes them feel uncomfortable. But I wonder if we, the church, have become uncomfortable with some of the other things that we should be doing in public. And we've written it off as just liturgical and non-essential 
when actually God has given us something that would be very beneficial for us to do over and over again. I want you to think for a moment. If God is, if, if the devil is trying to disconnect you and the heart of God is that we would understand that he is over everything and that he has a desire to be connected to us and he's made a way for us to have relationship with him because of forgiveness, why would he not give us something simple to do that can be done over and over and over again in the sense of the Lord's Prayer? How awesome would it be that at noon, every single day, that we would mark it. Let's have the praise team come up if you would, please. And that we would say this prayer, that at noon, for 21 seconds, or you say it a little bit slower, if you're from Alabama, like Pastor Raymond, or something like that, all right? <laughs> if you, you say it a little bit slower, all right? And, and you, 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 but you know what? You took less than one minute, and you said that prayer, and you realized that all across this region, all across this area, that everybody is coming into agreement, praying a prayer. When the disciple says, teach us to pray, and he says, pray this way, and we say it. I'm telling you, God is a simple God. He doesn't want to make things complicated for us. We overcomplicate things on a regular basis. And I think that, I mean, we, and there's all kinds of books. There's all other kinds of things you can do and read into some of the other significant points of the Lord's Prayer, all right? But you want to be careful that you don't overcomplicate it. Because God wants to do something in and through you. All right? And he'll do it through the prayers. Bow your heads with me, if you would, please. Heavenly Father.